On March 10th, we commemorate the martyr Quadratus and those with him at Corinth, martyr Quadratus and those with him at Nicomedia, Saint Anastasia, the patrician of Alexandria, Saint John of Kakuli, the Okropiri, also called Chrysostom, and Saint Michael the New Martyr. During the persecution against Christians in the third century, a certain pious woman named Rufina fled from Corinth to a mountain to escape from her pursuers. There she gave birth to a son, Quadratus, and died soon afterward. By the providence of God, the infant remained alive and was nourished in a miraculous manner. A cloud appeared over him, dropping a sweet dew into his mouth. The childhood and youth of Saint Quadratus were spent in the wilderness. When he was a young man, he chanced upon Christians who enlightened him with the light of the true faith. Quadratus studied grammar and later learned the physician's art and attained great success in it. Most of all, Quadratus loved solitude in the wilderness, and he spent the greater part of his time in the hills in prayer and meditation upon God. Many years passed, and his friends and followers frequently came to the saint to hear his instruction. Among them were Cyprian, Dionysius, Anectus, Paul, Christians, and many others. By order of the impious emperor Decius, 249-251, the military prefect Jason arrived at Corinth to torture and slay Christians. Since Quadratus was the eldest, he spoke for the rest. The saint bravely defended his faith in Christ the Savior. Then they began the torture. Saint Quadratus, despite inhuman suffering, encouraged the others, urging them not to be afraid and to stand firmly for the faith. Unable to persuade any of them to deny Christ, Jason ordered the martyrs to be thrown to wild beasts and be torn apart. But the beasts did not touch them. They tied the saints to chariots by their feet and dragged them through the city, and many of the crowd threw stones at them. Finally, they condemned the martyrs to beheading by the sword. At the place of execution, the martyrs requested for a certain time to pray, and then, one after the other, they bent their necks beneath the sword. The remaining disciples of St. Quadratus also suffered for Christ. Dionysius, another one, was stabbed in the night. Victorinus, Victor, and Isiphorus were crushed in a large stone press. Claudius's hands and feet were cut off. Diodorus was thrown into a fire prepared for him. Serapion was decapitated. Papias and Leonidas were drowned in the sea. Many holy women also went voluntarily to suffer for Christ. Saints Cariessa, Nunechia, Basilisa, Nike, Gala, Galina, and Theodora were among them. The holy martyrs Quadratus of Nicomedia, Saturinus, Rufinus, and others suffered during the persecutions of the Emperor Decius, 249-251, and his successor Valerian, 253-259. Saint Quadratus was descended from an illustrious family, possessing considerable wealth. The saint did not spare his means in helping fellow Christians languishing in prison for the faith. When the envoy of the impious Decius, the proconsul Perennius, arrived in Ocomedia, St. Quadratus voluntarily appeared before him in order to strengthen the courage of the imprisoned brethren by his self-sacrificing decision. At first, Perennius attempted to lure Quadratus from Christ, promising him rewards and honors. Then, seeing the futility of his attempts, he cast the saint into prison and gave orders to lay him down on a bed of nails and to lay a large stone on him. 
Setting out for Nicaea, the proconsul commanded that all the imprisoned Christians be brought after him. In that number was St. Quadratus. Upon arriving in the city, St. Quadratus implored that they be led to the pagan temple. As soon as they untied his hands and feet, he began to overturn and destroy the idols. By order of the proconsul, they gave Quadratus over to torture. And during terrible torments, the saint held firm in spirit, and by his act, encouraged the other martyrs, whose wounds were seared with burning candles. During the suffering of the martyrs, suddenly there shone a brilliant cloud, but the pagans found themselves in total darkness. In the ensuing silence was heard the singing of angels glorifying God. Many of those present confessed themselves Christians. Perennius ascribed the miracle to sorcery and gave orders to take them to prison. From Nicaea the martyrs walked behind the proconsul to Apamea, then to Caesarea. Apollonia, the Hellespont, where they tortured them in all sorts of ways, hoping to make them deny Christ. They tied St. Quadratus into a sack filled with poisonous serpents and threw it into a deep pit. On the following morning, everyone was astonished to see the martyr whole and unharmed. When they began to beat him mercilessly, two noblemen, Salturinus and Rufinus, were moved with pity for the martyr. This was observed, and Salturinus and Rufinus were beheaded. Perennius subjected the martyr to even more fierce and refined tortures, but was not able to break his spirit. The saint lost his strength and was hardly able to move. For the last time, the proconsul urged the martyr to abjure Christ. Marshalling his strength, the saint firmly replied, Since childhood I have acknowledged Christ as the one and only God, and I know no other. The proconsul gave orders to light the fire, make the iron grate red-hot, and throw the martyr on it. Having blessed himself with the sign of the cross, St. Quadratus laid himself down upon the red-hot couch as upon a soft bed, emerging unharmed from the flames. In frustration, the proconsul gave orders to behead St. Quadratus. St. Anastasia, the patrician of Alexandria, lived in Constantinople and was descended from an aristocratic family. She was an image of virtue, and she enjoyed the great esteem of the Emperor Justinian, 527-565. to Widowed at a young age, Anastasia decided to leave the world and save her soul far from the bustle of the capital. She secretly left Constantinople and went to Alexandria. She founded a small monastery not far from the city and devoted herself entirely to God. Several years later, the Emperor Justinian was widowed and decided to search for Anastasia and marry her. As soon as she heard of this, St. Anastasia journeyed to a remote skeet to ask Abba Daniel, commemorated on March 18th, for help. In order to safeguard Anastasia, the elder dressed her in a man's monastic garb and called her the eunuch Anastasius. Having settled her in one of the very remote caves, the elder gave her a rule of prayer and ordered her never to leave the cave and to receive no one. Only one monk knew of this place. His obedience was to bring a small portion of bread and a pitcher of water to the cave once a week leaving it at the entrance. The nun Anastasia dwelt in seclusion for 28 years. Everyone believed that it was the eunuch Anastasius who lived in the cave. The Lord revealed to her the day of her death. Having learned of her approaching death, she wrote several words for Abba Daniel and a potsherd and placed it at the entrance to the cave. The other came quickly and brought everything necessary for her burial. He found the holy ascetic still alive, and he confessed and communed her with the holy mysteries. At Abba Daniel's request, St. Anastasia blessed him and the monk accompanying him with the words, Lord, into thy hands I commend my spirit. The saint died in peace. 
around the year 567 to 568. When the grave was prepared, the elder gave his disciple his outer garment and ordered him to dress the deceased brother in it. As he was putting on the rasa, the monk noticed that she was a woman, but he did not dare to say anything. However, when they returned to the monastery after they buried the nun, the disciple asked Abba Daniel whether he knew the brother was a woman, and the elder related to the young monk the life of St. Anastasia. Later, the Abba's narrative was written down and received wide acclaim. The relics of St. Anastasia were transferred to Constantinople in the year 1200 and put not far from the church of Hagia Sophia. In the second half of the 10th century, King David Kuropalatis founded Kakuli Monastery in the historical region of Tao, at the gorge of the Kakuli River, where it joined to the Tortumi River. Once famed for its holiness and academic activity, today Kakuli Monastery is a Turkish possession and has become a tourist site. Nevertheless, the Georgian nation continues to be illumined by its grace and the radiance of the Georgian faithful who labored there. A contemporary of King Bagrat III, 975-1014, St. John of Kakuli, was a highly educated theologian, translator, and calligrapher. He has been called Chrysostom since he, like the beloved Archbishop of Constantinople, delivered his sermons with extraordinary eloquence. Some sources claim that St. John was first consecrated Bishop of Bonisi and later transferred to the Kakuli Diocese. It is generally agreed, however, that he left Kakuli around the year 1019 and traveled to Maltathos with the arson of Ninots Minda and John Gredelzitze. One Georgian manuscript, however, suggests that St. John was not a bishop at that time, and this has baffled church historians to this day. In this manuscript is written, Pray for the blessed monk, John Gredelzitze, and his spiritual son, John Chrysostom, who labored to write this holy book. While laboring on Mount Athos, St. John faithfully assisted St. Ectime of the Holy Mountain, and these spiritual brothers became close friends. The countless good works he performed from the bishop's throne, the title Chrysostom, and the many important writings accredited to him attest to the piety, wisdom, and patriotism of St. John of Kakuli. It is written in the life of Georgie of the Holy Mountain that St. John reposed on Mount Athos.